Hi, I'm Chris McIntosh. And I'm Ian McInnes. Welcome to Harp On It, a podcast where we meet to carry on the conversation started by our favorite artists. Chris and I think that one of the best aspects of music is the conversation it brings. And we plan to dig into the topics inspired by our favorite songs. Some of the songs we address will be billboard hits, and some will be smaller cult favorites. But all of them have a story to tell. Ian and I plan on leaving no stone unturned as we take this journey. Thank you for joining us along the way, and we hope you enjoy. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Go ahead and follow us on all socials at Harp on It Podcast. And if you enjoyed the episode, please like, review, and share. Hello, and welcome back to the eighth episode of the Harp on It Podcast. We're coming to you on the 26th of December. We hope everyone had a hoipy holiday season. We still have New Year's Day coming up, but uh, we're excited to be back and back to our standard programming, which if everyone needs a reminder, it is there's going to be a topic of the week that one host chooses and then associates a song with, and then we will kind of diagnose and discuss that, and then the alternate host will then have a rebuttal song. So, for without further ado, Chris, do you have any thoughts on our topic today? Social media. I'm I'm very excited, and the reason why is on my way over here. Especially, I was just thinking about all the different angles we can take with this discussion, and I realized I think I have a lot to say about it. I mean, I didn't. I I gave this some thought, and I found myself constantly thinking about it as opposed to you know pushing myself to do a bit of research to really get into the mindset of, mm-hmm. you know what questions are we going to have asked to of each other um i think this is just going to flow really naturally so I'm, I'm looking forward to it yeah it's a topic that i didn't necessarily have a lot to say about when i thought of it but then like you said the more i gave it thought the more I enjoyed it as a topic. And I definitely think I have a good song that goes with it, a little metaphorical, but if we're ready, I think we'll give it a give it a shot. Do you have a guess as to what my song is on this one? Um, What genre is it? It's going to be pop punk. Pop punk? Yeah, it's, it's definitely the most modern song I've brought to the table for this podcast. Really? Mm-hmm. I want to have a guess so bad, but I do not. Okay. Go ahead. Without further ado, this is Fake Happy by Paramore. Let's give it a listen. All right. If you'd like to listen to the songs with us, then join us on Spotify for 30-second samples or join Spotify Premium to get the whole song. All right. We gave Fake Happy by Paramore a listen. Chris, do you have any initial thoughts on that song before I do a little bit of background on the artist? Well, yeah. You know what? It was very poignant. I liked the message of the song in general. Um, I personally have been getting into Paramore a little bit more, and there's a very specific reason why, is that Haley Williams specifically and Par- Paramore as a whole was a huge inspiration for Wet Leg. Oh, really? The band that we just covered last week. Um, and there's I listened to this whole podcast where Haley Williams sort of interviews the the two main um, artists from Wet Leg. So. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you chose that as a song. Yeah, I have been in and out of being into Paramore through the years. I was really into them in middle school, actually. One of my oh. first crushes, it was her favorite band, so I, I kind of got into uh. it on iTunes and things like that, and then just 
continued listening to them because I enjoyed it. So um, here we are, uh, many years later, listening to them again. So, good for her. <laughs> good for her. Um, just some quick background on the artist of Paramore. The lead singer's name is Haley Williams. In 2002, she moved from her hometown, Meridian, Mississippi, to Franklin, Tennessee. Upon entering a supplemental program for homeschooled students, she was homeschooled in Mississippi and in Tennessee, she met Zach and Josh Farrow, Farrow, I'm unsure how to say that, brothers. They were in a group, or she was in a group, I should say that, prior to the formation of Paramore with the brothers. So they formed a band when they met. I'm unsure Mm. of the name or if any of that recording material is out there. I'm sure it is. It's YouTube. But eh, 2002, a little early. But... Upon meeting them, she is quoted as saying, they were the first people I met who were as passionate about music as I was. So you can you can hear that a lot in their work. It's very, very passionate, which I think comes with the genre as well. Pop punk, that pop punk or pop rock, pop punk, whatever you want to say, that genre or that era, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of that Panic at the Disco has a similar vibe. And I think that's something important about, like, you know, lightning in a bottle is where p- people, especially when it's group, it you know, there's something that resonates throughout you know, with all of them. Yeah, the brothers have entered and left the band a few times. I'm not going to cover too much of that today. Um, Haley was actually signed to Atlantic Records in 2003 as a solo artist by A&R guy Jason Flom. Williams was adamant when she was signed that she didn't want to be a solo pop star, but that she wanted to play alternative music with a backing band. And I think meeting the brothers, you know, then gave them an avenue to that. She had kind of the power because it maybe released things for him and things like that. But uh, Paramore itself was officially formed in 2004. Haley obviously was the lead vocalist. Josh Farrow, one of the brothers, was on lead guitar backing vocals. Zach Farrow was on drums. Former bandmate of Williams, Jeremy Davis. So before she had met the brothers, he joined this band as well. She was, oh, okay. he was, Jeremy Davis was performing music with Haley Williams prior. So he was on bass guitar. So a neighbor of Williams, Jason Bynum in Tennessee as well, joined shortly thereafter on rhythm guitar. So they kind of had their first lineup, per se, Yeah, with those five members. Um, The band name was named just, it's a homophone for Paramore, you know, love, P-A-R-A-M-O-U-R, and then the band is P-A-R-A-M-R-E. M-O-R-E, I should say. It, this is probably a stupid question, but you're referring to like the French pronunciation of for love? Yes. Cool. Um, okay, I got you. So the band was, as Haley was signed to Atlantic Records, the band was originally supposed to release its music under the Atlantic Records label. The Atlantic Records marketing department actually decided that it would be a better fit for the group to release their music under Atlantic's niche label, so a smaller, more seen as a more independent label, although it was under the Atlantic umbrella. Oh, that's an interesting move. Yeah, it's named Fueled by Ramen. They, I think they've released all of their albums on that niche label. It's still under the powerhouse of Atlantic Records. In their early years, the group played heavily on the Warp Tour, which is very, fam- very famous. Still goes on with a lot of the older bands with similar sounds, you know, a lot of that. It's all, mm-hmm. The lineups have always looked fun, never ended up going, but it's a Southern California institution with K-Rock and things like that. Okay. Yeah, um, they learned a lot from their contemporaries on that tour, you know, and you can hear that in the sound, a lot of the music from that era, and then they continue to play it now. They still release, I believe they released their last album in 2022, but, uh, or 2023, I have it written down, but you can still hear that to this day. Off um, the top of your head, do you know any of those 
you know, other bands or artists? I know the sounds I'm looking at is like Green Day and Social Distortion, things okay. like that. But yeah. that isn't, I don't think they ever played on that. I just know the name, Warp Tour. The sure. releases always look fun. They always had the cool posters and yeah. stuff. I knew a lot of people that went, but I really wasn't allowed to. That was a little outside the scope of my uh, permitted activities as a kid. Ah, fair enough. Overall, the band actually has six studio albums, all released, like I said, under the Fueled by Ramen label, controlled by Atlantic. The first was All We Know Is Falling in 2005, and the most recent album is This Is Why in 2023. Now that we've had a little bit of background on the group, we're going to circle back to Fake Happy by Paramore. It was released on their fifth album in 2017, named After Laughter. The first, it was the first album released following the return of drummer Zach Farrow. Like I said, he, the Farrow brothers both have come and gone a few times, and Zach is still in the touring lineup to this day. It was produced by guitarist Taylor York and previous collaborator Justin Meldol Johnson. It, the album itself represented a departure from the band's original sound or kind of contemporary sound of pop punk and alternative. It's definitely influenced by 1980 synth, a little bit of new wave. And inclusion had a lot more piano, such as on certain tracks like Tell Me How. Uh, just a lot of different, they're experimenting. You can kind of tell they're trying to find, not necessarily a new sound, but just decide if a, a, they fit other things. I see You see a lot of groups do this in their you know, later albums where they do a little bit of a departure from what we traditionally know, about, know them for. For sure. You know what, as you say that, it's something, again, I'm getting into Paramore a little bit more, but even that song that you, we just listened to... Um, I was like, oh, this is a little, this is a little different. Yeah, it, a it little was notable. Bit, yeah. yeah, especially Fake Happy, you see a little bit of the synth and the new wave influences, of course. Um, and then, like I said, the album is exploratory. They actually released five singles from the album, which is quite a lot, but I understand they work with Atlantic, so it is a lot of that trying to make sure it's a commercial success. Overall, they, Fake Happy was, being, was one of them, and then the equally popular track, Hard Times, which we heard the beginning to, after oh, that song ended on Spotify. You and I. Yeah, just listening down. to, yeah. So um, now that we've gone into that album as well, I just wanted to take a quick look at a few of the specific lines that I feel really encapsulate our topic today, social media. Um, first one I want to address is, I love making you believe what you get is what you see, but I'm so fake happy. The protagonist begins the song with a note of deception. It actually is the first line in the song. First few lines, I should say. So it just begins with that note of deception, you know, that nature of social media being that you can portray yourself really as anything. Um, You know, you really hide your true beliefs and feelings through the mask of social media and its posts. It's, like I said, easy, you know, to mask who you are and things like that. The posts that people post and the other people see is the deepest view that they will get on social media, unless you're directly communicating with someone through direct message or any sort of comments like that, it really just is, that's what you see. So people see what you want them to, per se. Right. Often, uh, you know, often there's no real communication through the post. Like I said, you're really not asking if anyone's doing okay because the post itself is really a mask for any sort of negative feelings that the protagonist of the song is really having. Plus, it's meant to be, you know, used as almost a statement of like, here's me lately. And people take at face value, but like I said, there could be a lot more that meets the eye, something that's going on behind the curtain. Yeah, I've been guilty of that myself, not necessarily with the happiness, but uh, try- when you go to post something, even at 27, almost 28 years old, there, 
there still is that twinge of do I like this, which photo should I post? Like which one makes me look the coolest or something like that to my sure, contemporaries? Yeah. You know, I think we're all jealous or not jealous, but we're all guilty of something like that. I'm jealous of your Instagram page for Thanks, sure. Thanks, man. I post about once a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the second line I wanted to address today is, but no one sees me when I crawl back underneath, kind of circling back to the fact that no one sees beyond that preliminary layer that outside you know skin you see the book as its cover um no one is really seeing the underlying emotion pain or other emotions i should say that are being masked by one's persona on social media you can really cultivate an attitude of whatever you really want on social media um like i said social media is often a character that we are playing a version of yourself that is happier cooler more hip more successful you see that a lot with the now it's kind of a meme, but the guy's trying to teach people like, oh, I'll teach you how to trade crypto. You know, give me a hundred bucks and I'll, I'll yeah. make you a millionaire in three days, you know, with all these like meme coins and stuff like Doge and things like that. People have made money, but I don't think anyone on social media is really teaching. All, all the rug pulls online. Yeah, the, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No bueno. I, I really like the lyrics and it, this is, you know, the chorus or the, the hook or whatever. Um, that, you know, if I smile with my teeth, bet you believe me. And then she goes on to say, oh, please don't ask me how I've been. Don't make me play pretend. Um, what's the use? Oh, please. I bet everybody hears fake happy too. It's like, it, I don't know. It's just so poignant. It gets at a underlying issue that there are a lot of people that struggle with, you know, self image that struggle with, you know, Where's my life headed? We've talked a lot about this already mm -hmm. on the podcast in previous episodes. I just like this not knowing of what life really is in general, but this deep desire and compulsion to give the impression to the rest of the world that you've got to figure it out is, yeah, it's a huge issue that she's done a really good job or they have done a very good job of addressing. Yeah, you actually, the three of those four lines you just addressed were what I was going to wrap up with. So you've actually pointed at the exact lines I wanted to cover. Um, I really thought that if you if I smile with my teeth, I think I believe me is pretty poignant, like you said. The character you're playing becomes so pervasive for some people that eventually it starts seeping into and invading your everyday life. Mm -hmm. I think you see it with every generation. I mean, they, everyone makes the joke of the younger generations being tied to their phone, but I think any generation has its offenders, if you want to call it that. But it starts to invade your day-to-day -day life. You see, you walk down the street, everyone's got their nose in their phone. And I mean, everyone's usually on social media if they have their phone out in public, I, I think. TikTok's pretty pervasive. Instagram, all these all these medias are really uh, really invading the day-to-day -day psyche. And I think that character try, starts to seep in as well, yeah. if you are portraying yourself as an alternate, alternative version. It's a safe bet, for sure. I seem to remember there was a day when if you were on Instagram and you had gone through everybody's posts, at the end it would just be like, that's it, come back later, essentially, right? I have a vague memory right? of that, too. Like at the beginning in 2016, 17, yeah. 18, 19, somewhere Like back in there. when we were in middle school or something. Yeah, back when it was just more of a peer-to-peer -peer program, but now it's obviously a lot more business-to-peer program where there's a lot of advertising that you really don't know, which is another major issue mm -hmm. with social media, where now I think in the United States, it's I, I know at least in the European Union, it's legal 
that or it's a law that you have to disclose if it's an yeah. ad. And I've seen that. I don't spend much time on Instagram, but I've seen that where it's like the hashtag ad and things like that. Yeah. So I think I think people are beginning to adopt that as well. But if it's just a hashtag, are you really looking at it too? You know, it, it, it's it became a thing on TikTok as well. Uh, it wasn't like that when I was first on it, mm-hmm. but now there's a little bubble at the bottom that says sponsored. Oh, okay. So at least it's being disclosed. But like I said, how many people are actually really paying attention to that? Yeah. It's almost, some of the ads are so funny on social media. It's almost like blatant product placement in older movies where yeah. someone's drinking a Coke and it's, you can see directly, the way they're holding the can is the, it directly oh, you can uh, see yeah. the perfect Coca-Cola label and they take a sip and they're like, ah, you know, it, it's kind of, the, it's more of the same, you know? That, that's how it is on TikTok where there's like, there's always trends. I, mm-hmm. I don't see it so much anymore. I'm not really sure why, but at least when I was first on TikTok, somebody would say do or say something funny or there'd be a funny sound that they'd lip sync to, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, if you like that video, you would just get like a hundred of those videos, exactly like someone else doing the exact mm. same thing. Um, I don't see that so much anymore, but now all the ads are like... Did I just, you know, invent the song of the summer or whatever? They they'd say something that's like people on TikTok know that. Yeah, <laughs> they say something or do something that's like an old trend, and uh-huh. it's just very obvious that this is this is an ad for something. I think you see that with podcast ads too, where you can tell which ones have where the business wrote it, and you can kind of yeah. tell, or versus they were just said, "Hey, make us an ad for." Manscape is the one that's pertinent. BetterHelp is another pertinent one that's going through the ranks right now. You can always tell if they wrote it themselves or if oh, it was yeah. if For it was sure. the brand itself trying to make it sound like they wrote yeah. it. But there's always there's always some jargon in there that you can tell. Like ah, some guy sitting in a cubicle wrote this. Where where they stop from quote unquote stop from the script and they're like, look, you know, in my day to day, I realize that it is good that I talk to a therapist every once. It's like, come on, dude. I, I always love it on a, just, uh, we'll circle back from the podcast back to social media, but I always love it when the audio changes, so you can clearly tell they're trying to make it sound like it's part of the uh, conversation, or whatever form of media it is, or whatever form of conversation it is, and then it's higher pitched, or there's something where you can clearly tell there was a cut, and then it was an inserted piece of audio that was recorded at a different time. That's interesting. You know what, I've never come across that, and most ads these days I just skip through anyways. Oh, yeah. uh, I, oh yeah, I love. I hate when the podcast readers themselves start reading ads and they haven't, and then you can yeah. just like keep skipping till you okay. I hear the host's voice, or you know, then they start reading ads. It's like, wait, did I? I always wait till you. Uh, what always gets me is when they give the code. It's like, oh, go to BetterHelp.com forward slash, and then they give the name of the podcast. It's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, that's always the end of the yeah. ad. I know that. One more skip. Yeah, one more skip, and then skip back a little bit. Oh man. Okay, back from that tangent. Uh, advertising on podcasts. Someone please advertise with us. God, but uh, <laughs> you you realize that's like years out. Oh yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't even advertise with us. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. That's not gonna happen. But that's fine. But um, uh, just a couple uh, circling back to those lines that you pointed out, and I advised were actually what I wanted to address was, uh, oh please, just don't ask me how I've been. Don't make me play pretend. I think that's a knock on. It's easier to just li- it's easier to lie to someone else and mask to yourself through a f- static form of media 
rather than conversation or face to face. Right. Eventually, you saw you see the chink in the armor or whatever you want to use the tell that okay, there something's actually going on with them. And then you know it's a lot easier to just post a photo. Everyone can smile for a minute. You know. Yeah. I you know again this this interview that she did with uh, Wet Leg on this podcast it was actually really interesting. I definitely I I don't know the name of the podcast. I w- it was just in my research for wet leg. I was, mm. you know, came listening. across it. Yeah, I came across it and listened to the whole thing. It's very interesting. But she, you know, again, wet leg. W- they were not quiet about the fact that Paramore was a huge inspiration for them. Um, and you know, Haley Williams saw them doing their thing and was very impressed and was genuinely like you know the felt felt a connection to them because it, she was so just in love with the fact that they were just doing their own thing and having fun with it and really just going for it as opposed to you know a lot of people that come out these days um you know especially like you know straight out of floodgates just yeah, really instant, have instant, instant success rise. i mean there's this you know term going around about like uh what's it called corporate plant or uh mm-hmm. what's it industry plant this idea that someone has you know a rise to stardom uh, instantly because you know there's a huge entity behind them you know really pushing their stuff forward yeah i you can definitely tell i think it's a little harder to tell nowadays when some when a group especially isn't passionate about their project because there is so much doctoring going on with the sound, but I think it was easier to tell a couple years ago or decades ago when a band one was put together maybe by a record label, like a super group or however yeah. you want to describe that. Um, and then you can kind of tell just the sound isn't there if you really listen. But then it's, like I was saying, harder to tell that now. It's it's not as easy to pick out which ones are actually passion projects for the members of the group or the individuals. Exactly. So she was very impressed and she but she talks about how much hesitation she had to just send a dm over to them mm-hmm. because she didn't want it to be perceived as like she you know as her um you know hey you know i'm haley williams you know like, are you yeah, really yeah <laughs> like like you know you should be have some sort of feelings about me reaching out to you or whatever you know like she mm-hmm. she didn't want to be perceived the wrong way the so name talk- has a certain gravitas to it yeah she talks about how much she kind of had to sit with that feeling of like should i send something should i not and like worrying about it and so it makes sense to me that she's able to come out with such like i said poignant song with such great lyrics that really encapsulate this topic because she's very open about, you know, I have these own, you know, anxiety moments or, you know, own personal insecurities that I deal with myself when it comes to social media as a whole, even as much as reaching out to some fans and saying, hey, I like your music. Mm-hmm. It, like she was worried that that was, you know, uh, protesting too much, you know? Yeah, it's a... It- Anxiety caused by social media is, is pervasive, I think, no matter who you are. I, I think it's 
it's not necessarily the healthiest. Like you're saying, even someone like Haley Williams can be nervous about the way something could be construed. And things are often construed, misconstrued, I would say, on social media as well. So just making sure, you know, I don't want to see a headline tomorrow that Haley Williams reaches out and it's like, oh, don't you know who I am type thing, you know? Yeah. No. It, and again, from certain people like that, that you just know that that would never, ever, those words would, well, they would uh, never come out of their mouth, but it wouldn't come out of their, you know, typing either. <laughs> their fingertips, however yeah. you want to say that. Um, and just to wrap up the song, or our discussion on the song, is just the last line of the chorus, oh please, I bet everybody here is fake happy too. It's every... Every uh, chorus has it, or every edition of the chorus to that song has it, and I think it just wraps it up pretty poignantly, like you said. Critically thinking, you really know that everyone is feel- has these feelings about social media, so it's kind of wild how pervasive it is in, in our society. But it is bold to even have, you know, not the audacity is the wrong word, because I'm very, you know, thankful that she made the statement, but to uh, make that claim that, you know, everyone deals with this as well. I, but she knew that it would resonate with people. But it's a bold statement to make, you know, to share your insecurity and then dare to act like other people deal with that same insecurity too. Yeah, not necessarily call people out for it, but just identify, identify the fact that you know or you at least think that this is a pretty universal feeling, you know, universal uh, belief about social media. Yeah, it sounds... Like the lyric itself, it sounds defensive, but I think really you, most people that listen to that um, feel comforted by it. Yeah, I would say so. I, I would echo that sentiment. Just, uh, I would like to show you the music video really quick. It is It pairs with this pretty well, and I think the music video plays into what I was talking about earlier, that I think Fake Happy does address social media specifically, but I think it addresses a lot of our current day societal and social interactions. And I think the music video is a great avenue to show that. So I'd like to show you the music video real quick, and we can circle back. Just spend a few minutes, just you know, talking about it, and then, and then get into some general thoughts on the topic. All right, cool. I can't wait. If you have the ability, list, dear listener, um, to watch the music video at this point, then I recommend you do that if you can. Um, if you're driving, obviously don't. <laughs> but you also, you know, it's with the caveat that you have to promise to come back to this podcast after. So don't we're just gonna... start scrolling on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go listen to that and watch it, and we'll be right back. So we just gave the music video a watch, and I'll just give a kind of a general synopsis and my thoughts, and then you can kind of chime in. I don't want to spend too much time on this one. I just thought it was a really good embodiment of what they're talking about in the song the music video follow opens up following Haley around the streets of a large city every other person is wearing an animated upside down smiley face each person is masking how they feel to the outside world obviously you're not going to be truly open and honest with strangers but there's families in the music video groups of friends people working out together so it's very a very social uh very social scene in the city she is the signage around her also includes that same imagery. It's covering anything that ne- might have a negative connotation. With It just says happy with two under two upside-down mm-hmm. smiley faces. Haley's wearing a sequin jumpsuit and bright yellow high tops. Uh, I take that as almost a mask in and of itself. 
She's presenting herself as bright and shiny to the world, potentially masking what's underneath. And as we open in the music video, we actually see her face, and it, she just looks displeased. Not necessarily sad, but just unhappy. And then she kind of hides her face for the middle part of the music video. We really don't see her true face. You see, like, the side profile and things like that. But it's either her hair, or we're watching her walk away, or dancing. But it's always from a vantage point that we don't see her face. So that's kind of masking in and of itself. And then the outro of the song shows a clearly unhappy Haley, almost that she's gotten more sad as it's gone on, as she's been masking to the world. Um, Haley then covers her face with the same upside-down smiley face that Ed's covering everyone else's face. She's almost mm -hmm. crying. I think she might be actually crying right before that as well. So she's just, you know, just like everybody else, no matter how famous you are, you know, you're using that mask, whether it's social media or just a, a mask in and of itself in the general public. Yeah, and, it, you know, it was set in a big city, there were a lot of really bright colors you know, mm -hmm. everywhere. Uh, it was sunny out that day. It was just everything. You know, another artist that does this a lot is uh, Childish Gambino. Yeah. Where he, you know, like the song 3005 is a very upbeat song. Great song. If you listen to that, it's one of the saddest, most depressing songs you could, you know, you could ever listen. He does that a lot. Yeah, the lyrics on a lot of his stuff doesn't necessarily match the what he's speaking about. And the opposite of that, I would say, is actually my favorite song off of that album, which is Flight of the Navigator, where it's a very like sad, slow-sounding song, but the lyrics are very hopeful. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like it when artists take that approach to things, because it's, you know... Try and it, misdirect, almost. Yeah, and especially in this scenario where it's, you know, expect the unexpected when it comes to these artists because they, she's, again, yeah, she's just doing a great job, like you said, of portraying such a happy atmosphere, you know, what you would picture as a picture-perfect moment, mm -hmm. but behind the mask, she's having a tough time. I think works like these, both the Childish Gambino songs we were talking about and a lot of the songs on this album by Paramore, especially Fake Happy, kind of points to how truly difficult and nuanced songwriting really is. I think everyone has written, you know, in school everyone wrote a poem and things like that, and some certain people think that music is really just poetry with, with instruments, which it kind of is. Yeah. But it, to make something that truly is deep in meaning and things like that. It's very nuanced and much harder than, you know, the general eye would give, especially when you do have the misdirection of the vibe of the song, like you said, like a few moments ago, and then the actual lyrics where you actually start listening, and it's, oh my gosh, this song is not not as bright as I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you showed me that music video. You picked up on a lot of things that I didn't even notice, like her face not being shown for almost the entirety of the music video except for the beginning and the end yeah i watched that music video probably a dozen times because someone told me that it really pairs well with the song so i was like hey that works for me well, there you go i'm glad we took the time to touch on the music video as well because it really kind of closes the loop for me at least adding a visual aspect to my feelings on that song and i just want to be clear that i've been pretty critical of social media uh, the last 30-ish minutes but i do not hate it. I do have an Instagram account. I had a Facebook account as a teenager. I use Snapchat 
in high school and college. What what are your general feelings on social media, kind of as a whole? As a whole, um, I I use it a lot, a lot. I'm I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. Um, those are my main two. Mm-hmm. I'll go on Reddit uh, to look up different, mainly for podcasts to check in on what people thought of an episode or whatnot. Um, and that's really it. I never was a Twitter guy. I I was on Facebook in high school and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I don't go on there ever, ever. Only for the podcast, really. I just kind of link posts from Instagram mm. to Facebook, and that is the extent of my time on Facebook these days. Yeah, I actually deleted my Facebook. Um, oh, really? I, yeah, sometime in college, Brooke and I, my fiance and I were on the way to Seattle, and we had a layover in the San Jose airport. And I was Googling, just sitting there, cursory, like cursory, just looking around. And I found this article that was pretty much pushed to me on the Google front page. It said, how to permanently delete your Facebook. And I hadn't been on it. And <laughs> I, I think there was a way I could partially delete it where no one could find me. But it's still, if I wanted to come back, I could. And I right. hadn't touched it in a year or two, so yeah, let's get that away. You know, I don't want my data yeah. out there. They still have my data. I was a little naive at that time for that, but uh, I haven't been on Facebook in a long time. But like you said, yeah, I still have an Instagram. I still I use YouTube. That's kind of social media. Reddit, like you said, I use Reddit mostly as a tool if I'm looking for advice on something. A lot of good technical mm-hmm. advice on Reddit, but it is it's just social media. Well, that's that's the nice thing about Reddit is you can pretty much type any question into Reddit, and there's some type of subreddit, you know, at least one post that's, you know, addressed it. Yeah, maybe not an entire subreddit, but you're very right. If I need anything from HVAC advice to should I buy this car yeah. or why is my lizard turning brown, there's something, there's all, everything you could think <laughs> that's of That's a medical problem. <laughs> but, um, you know, you are really kind of a sneaky Ron Swanson when it comes to social media. Where you you do you do have this thing where you like to be a little off the grid. Yeah, I I was much worse about that a couple of years ago. Where I didn't really like my fiance's profile on Instagram is private, so I mean I know everyone that she knows, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I googled my name one time, and my face came up on just normal images. There used to be a hockey right. player that was the primary source on the internet, and it it would just stats or you know his jerseys, things like that. But I googled my name, and I was the first three or four photos. Really? Probably it was location based. Was partially because it was. Cert- yeah. I was googling in my hometown and on my phone, so I understand that that if you googled it in Canada, it probably wouldn't have been the same. But I didn't like seeing. It wasn't even my posts. It was someone else's. So I got a little overboard oh. about not wanting my face on the internet. That's scary. Yeah. I mean, there's other things like you could Google in incognito. So then it's it's like can I hidden from your uh, you know, online identity, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. Yeah, you're theoretically. So it's yeah, you know, because Google also like feeds you an algorithm that's somewhat catered to you as well. But even with that said, yeah, I I get that. It's a little freaky. Yeah, but overall, I I like I said, I've been pretty critical about social media. It's, it's since the beginning of this episode, but I do use it as a tool. It's how I stay in touch with a couple friends from high school and college, things like that. But I don't really have it on my phone much. I, I do enjoy YouTube. I love watching videos. Like there's just like Reddit, you can get anything on there. So I do spend a fair amount of time on YouTube, but I really don't dive into the comments or anything. It's not really social for me. It's more just content. Right. 
which is the same thing. I don't have a TikTok, but it's the absolute same thing as TikTok. Yeah. You know, it's feeding me. It's my account. It knows what I'm looking for. So it's the, it's the absolute same thing. But like I said, I really don't dive into the social aspect of that. Actually, yeah. I well, I I'm very different. I I like using social media. There is a period of time um, when I moved out here to California, like I guess six or seven years ago now. I can't keep track. Um, where I deleted all social media off of my phone. Mm-hmm. I still had the accounts, but they're just you know as far as everyone else knew, dormant. We're yeah. dormant. Yeah, inactive. Um, but yeah, once I came back, it was like a whole new world. So much had changed. Like it's like I was talking about earlier with Instagram. There was a time where you'd scroll to the bottom and be like, "That's it, come back tomorrow." You yeah, know? there wasn't really such a thing as a for you page. It was just yeah. the, it was just the people's photos that you chose to interact with. Yeah. Now, now it's you, you get fed uh, whatever might interest you, and for whatever reason on Instagram, it's like a lot of skateboard videos. I, now I follow a crazy amount of skateboarders on Instagram, but um, I definitely have a love-hate relationship with social media. Um, there are times where I feel indifferent about it. It's just something to pass the time, like, oh, check this out, you know, see what this person is up to, and then I'll post occasionally. And then there's other times where I feel like I get so involved that it becomes a problem. Yeah, I think I think the range that you can get from social media is quite drastic. There's a pretty big rainbow of things you can use it for. At its best, it can be a way to find a community where necessarily you might not have one physically. You know, Absolutely. If, especially if you identify as a protected class in a you know more conservative area. It gives you an outlet to find similar people. But at the far end, I mean, there's the dark web and things like that, you know, illegal activities. But at the far end, just socially... It's a, it opens an avenue for people to be preyed upon. And mm-hmm. I kind of touched on that earlier with the like the crypto trading people where it, it's like, okay, give me a hundred bucks, you know, sign up for my course. Yeah, I sign up for my course and I'll ten times your money in three days. And I feel a lot of vulnerable people dive into that. And it, it, it avenues right into the MLMs too, the multi-level marketing. Yeah. Very similar where I know that I don't get it so much, but more so in college, my fiance got a lot of DMs from people Oh hey babe, I haven't seen you in a while. Like what? Like and then yeah. it's like the illusion of them actually checking in on you, and then it's it's just oh you know your skin looks a little red in this photo. Uh, X company oh, has really that's has this. not what I thought you were talking about at all. I thought you were talking about like robots pretending like placating as if they knew you or whatever. But it's you're talking issue. about actual people. Yeah, multi-level marketing. Like uh, Lularo is a good example. Great documentaries on that. I forget what on Amazon, forget what the title was, but the makeup, Herbalife, diet supplements, hair care products, it's, it ele- it opens that door where it's not so much people going around in the Mary Kay, pink Cadillacs, yeah. driving door-to-door selling stuff. It's preying upon the people you know and then also people you don't trying uh, to sell. That's actually sick. That's yeah, it, it, disgusting. That's, it's just part of social media, though. Oh it's that, it's that uh, range. So that that actually reminds me of something that, you know, of all the subtopics that we could have got into with social media, this is not something that really came across my mind, but now that we're here, I, you know, am realizing that, again, my kind of tumultuous relationship with social media at one point took me down a road where I was 
actually gaming, you know, it's not a significant following, but more significant than I had ever experienced on social media. It was on TikTok. I was talking about stuff that was personal to me, and I was taking a stance that was, you know, polarizing Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Um, it, It was, you know, it had to do with religion. And, I mean, I guess I addressed it. I don't want to be <laughs> misconstrued as something that I'm not. Uh, I went through a period where I was deconstructing from religion, and I was sharing my feelings on that and, you know, how I didn't share that faith anymore. And it turned into this thing, that this kind of, like, runaway train that I didn't know how to stop and it was I was getting garnering a lot of you know comfort and you know support from a community online of people that I didn't know mm-hmm. and it was encouraging and then after a while it just became this all-consuming thing for me and it it, it became like okay what am I going to talk about next like what are we going to instead of the kind of natural organic um conversation that it was in the first place it became it it became something i had to force and it you know for me you know i'm i'm happy i went through that but it's not something that i'm necessarily proud of (laughs) right we sat brooke and i actually sat in on your a couple of your maybe one or two of your lives and we could sense the vitriol in having that topic open and you did a good job of moderating and keeping it from spinning a lot of angry people yeah Yeah. you did a very good job of moderating it because you'd you'd open the for lack of a term you'd open the lines to the people that were there and they would have a chance to speak as well and you did a pretty good job of controlling that to not letting it spin out because whenever religion is involved good bad or ugly it can't it has the opportunity in today's culture to spin out of control quite rapidly because there's very strong stances on both ends of that spectrum yeah and i think i was able to convince myself that it was just a fascinating conversation to be had and there are good points to be made you know if we're having a conversation then that's progress right it's all these kind of lies that i kind of told myself but when there's you know yeah again it's not big numbers but when there's 800 people on the live and they're all throwing ideas back at each other, and there's someone you know really getting upset online, and then it turns into you know negative comments and all this other things. It's I think really what it was for me is realizing that I didn't like where it was where I was going with it. Yeah, I can understand that. No matter whether or not you created the you you created the animosity or the opinions that the person that might be a little too aggressive is having. You still are responsible for that small community at that time on that specific live. You know, not necessarily the overall discussion around your content, but at that time you were responsible. You were the one that opened that door for the person from, you know, Europe to talk to the person from South Africa. Just like those people would never meet unless it was through that door that you opened. Right. So I understand that you there is a sense of responsibility there as well. Absolutely. And there's this thing online that a lot of people are afraid of, of just this 
you know, we're pretending that it's this open conversation. Any topic is, you know, not off limits. We can discuss whatever we want and be, you know, you know, mature and, you know, professional about this and we can have a good back and forth and understand where each other's coming from but there's this fear that that's not really the case because sometimes there can be this community you know single-mindedness that mm-hmm. takes yeah, the hive over mind. yeah that that the, they're exactly the hive minds um sorry to bring up childish gambino again <laughs> don glover he just came out with this uh TV series called Swarm, where that's exactly the idea that there's this group of people that are huge fans of this one artist, and she can do no wrong. And anyone that says anything negative about her, you know, they're dead to us. You know that that type of perspective on how life works, and there's this idea that it can get out of hand sometimes, and that's actually what my song is about. I think you see, just on that note about that show, I need to watch it, but uh, you see that with a lot of uh, Taylor Swift fans and then Beyonce as well, mm-hmm. and Lady Gaga too. A, a lot of the singular pop artists have that, you know, for lack of a better term, like violent fan base, where not necessarily physical violence, but just bringing it up is just, it, it's like so, so tumultuous in their head that if you don't feel the exact same way, and obviously it happens with a lot of other topics, but the easiest way to talk about it without being too confrontational is uh, the pop stars but what's yeah. your song so my song addresses this i think pretty well although it's a very kind of metaphorical lyrics that you kind of have to Love break it. down um but the song is called burn the witch by radiohead Ooh, radiohead i love it all right let's give it a listen and come right back all right uh so right off the bat as we always do ian initial thoughts on the song I definitely understand how you get that, the metaphorical reason, or the metaphorical reasoning for the song from that. It's got some very spooky, spooky semblance to it that I can hear through the lyrics and through the melodies that give me the feeling that you're describing, that uh, hive mind. Yeah, I I think that there's lyrics, uh, there's a few specific lyrics that really stood out to me that really portrayed that 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 sentiment um so the, those lyrics are loose talk around tables so again kind of a loose general conversation there could be back and forth whatnot um abandon all reasons so reasons out the door we're sticking to one perspective on this you know so-called long conversation you've been triggered yeah sure yeah exactly uh avoid all eye contact Maybe we're online. We're not actually able to see each other face-to-face. Do not react. Shoot the messenger. So someone who maybe, maybe has a valid point to be made, but again, we're so stuck in giving this, you know, cross-the-board opinion that we don't have the ability to hear that point of view. Now, I've got to say that this is so often, I mean, it's, Saying this is almost bothering me a little bit because it's so often used as an excuse for a lot of, particularly podcasters, specifically in my opinion on like the far right. That uh-huh. It's just you know, oh the you know 
they're just hive mentality. They're, they don't want to listen to logic or reason. They just want to say whatever they have to say. So I think it's a dangerous, you know, perspective to always have. However, as is anything, you got to have balance. You do every once in a while. You need to, at the very least, be able to understand where someone is coming from, whether you agree with it or not. Yeah, your point on the far right is is poignant because it does. It's, people on the left suffer from this as well. I'm not going to say oh, that, yeah, but absolutely. they it they do tend, at least from my understanding, to be a little more set in their ways because they. They are a lot of the time backed by religion and things like that, old money, where they have these feelings for millennia, you know, thousands, right. hundreds of years. And the person that necessarily is being the mouthpiece for this doesn't necessarily or isn't necessarily being captivated by that a lot or being having that feeling or having that opinion for a long time. But they had they that general vibe. So the audience they're playing to feels the same way. As uh, Obi-Wan said in Star Wars, only the Sith deal in absolutes. So you need to be open to outside opinions. And I think a negative aspect of social media is the community, uh, is the fact that it can harbor communities that aren't necessarily moderated or moderate, right? It can lead to a lot of, and it's incited violence. Uh, And again, on every side, it's incited violence, religious, political, everything like that. There's an extreme group on the internet for whoever you are. Sure. But uh, we do see it a lot more on the right. Yeah. Wise words from a wise man, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. He knows his stuff. He does, he does. I'm not... (laughs) It seems that I'm not super familiar with a lot of artists, but I'm not also super familiar with Radiohead. All what I do know is that this is a general theme that they've tried to portray in a lot of their music. Mm -hmm. It's not always directly addressing social media, but their first big song, you know, Creep, you know, I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo. This general feeling of feeling uh, other than... An outsider. Yeah, an outsider you know, not part of the collective group. Um, and they see the value in listening to each other and trying to understand each other as a whole. Um, also, they just have a general fear of, I think, technology and probably more of a prophetic fear at the time of social media as a whole um, with the OK computer, you know, that they released back in the day as well. Just this kind of angst about what technology is going to become, and social media is, you know, one of the most powerful tools that we have um, today for positive and negative uh, effects. Yeah. You see it a lot with, even you see it on a global scale with all of the, for lack of a better term, the fake news that spread on Facebook amongst the older generation. I'm speaking about the United States because that's where I live. But you see that a lot where it'll just be a headline. No one will read the actual article. Uh, You see the Onion being taken seriously, the Babylon Bee being referenced as an actual newspaper. And it's just they see what they want to see, and it kind of fulfills itself where it's like there are, oh, see, I'm right. This said this, or you know, not really doing the research, just being set in their ways. And I think that that opens the door to the internet being a tool for First Amendment speech, again, speaking from the United States' perspective. But then people take that, like you were saying, a lot of podcasters fall into this, where they say something outrageous, and then there's repercussions for their action, and people 
fans, super fans, like the a group we were just listening to or the song we were just listening to, where they think that their First Amendment speech also reserves you from the repercussions for your actions. First Amendment just means that you won't have you won't be arrested for saying that. There could still even be legal ramifications if that incites violence or something like that. So it, yeah. it's it's a tool, like you were saying. Yeah, and now more than ever. I mean, even back in the day when those were those you know rules, the amendments were written. It this this couldn't have even been imagined as you know podcasts. Do you know what podcast actually means? Ooh. I think I knew this at at one point, but lay it on me. It's the mix between broadcast and iPod. Oh God, that's podcast. Aw- that's awesome. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's kind of funny. So it it can never even been conceived back yeah. in the day. So the this idea that oh yeah no no but first amendment right yeah but also like it holds a lot more weight these days. Yeah, it does. The, especially as your opinions are being broadcast to so many people that might yeah. be you know, incited to do something by your opinions. Yeah, you can't oversimplify it. Exactly. I uh I definitely feel that way. There um, there is oh sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. There's also, you know, the mob mentality where it's just kinda fun and cheeky. Have you heard about the whole Matt Rife situation that's been happening lately? Oh, I I know his comedy. I'm not his biggest fan. Um I, I know him as just he says something kind of outrageous, and then he has a story behind it that kind of makes it a little more moderate, is the way I understand it. But lay it on me. What's, well, what's going he, on? He went viral on TikTok for his crowd work. Which is, just to be clear, it's a very, very standard thing across most comedians and their shows because they do so many shows a year, and it's all to work up their material said that in hopes that they can do either take that material on the road and continue to work on it or ultimately come out with a special yeah, get at the end hour. of like the year or whatever. Get an hour. Yeah. I know a lot of comedians are using crowd work on short form content, uh, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, uh, TikToks for lack. I guess they are just called TikToks, but that's how they get a lot of that following because it is it's an entire joke. That specific, if you're just addressing a single person, like, oh, what do you do for a living, or whatever their, whatever their cause, or addressing a heckler, that whole thing's wrapped up in like one minute, thirty seconds. It's not a long form stand up joke where it's like, okay, you kind of need the ten minutes to fully understand it. It's yeah. just a, it's a closed book right there, and it's a little more out, uh, sensationalized. That's that a very good point. It's it's also you know it's engaging because it's so personalized, like you said. Um, it makes it seem all the more impressive because it's supposedly just off the cuff, which it is impressive. It is. I don't have that skill set, but they do, Neither do and I. that's great. Also, the other reason they do it of posting these clips of uh, crowd work is they don't want to burn through material so that when people are like, oh, I do like that guy, I'll go see him, and they make the same joke oh, very on the good show. Point. It's yeah, like, you're, you're touring a 30 minutes usually, you know, on, exactly. the smaller, on the smaller stages at the improv. Sometimes 15. It's like, I just heard you know, one third of his act yeah. on social media and that's it, you know? So he, so I, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. He gained millions upon millions of followers on TikTok. He grossed $25 million this past year 
from TikTok alone. That's the estimate. Oh my gosh. So he went from zero to just out of this world famous. At generational wealth just from posting internet videos. Yeah, Not exactly. just from, I understand it's a lot of work. A hundred percent. So, you know, good on him. Very cool. He's also extremely, you know, traditionally handsome. And as a result of this, he tended to, in this... Female you know, fans. He tend to get a lot of female fans, which, again, great. They're, they're, they think he's good looking. Also, they think he's really funny and witty and charming. Fantastic. So he's garnered this audience that is more lean towards, uh, you know, a feminine fan base, right? His special, is, I think it's his third special, comes out on Netflix. And everyone's excited because Matt Rife has a new special coming out after he's gained all this following. And leading up to this, he's been talking on a lot of podcasts about his frustration of dealing with having, you know, women as fans. He wished that he had more men coming out to his shows. He's talking about how he's annoyed with it, blah, blah, blah. But again, I'm, I'm seeing it as you know, a fan of some of these podcasts. Other people are seeing it, but not really his audience, because again, they're on TikTok watching his you know, crowd work. Mm-hmm. Right? Special comes out. Very first joke, domestic violence joke. Oh, I'm, you were telling me about this a couple days ago. Yeah. And it's like all his fans are just like, it, this isn't, this, for one, this is extremely offensive. And two, it wasn't even funny. It wasn't even a funny joke. And I have to agree. You know, one, one of my, what I would consider one of my guilty pleasures is comedy. But there, I, I have two main rules when it comes to comedy making a joke. One is that you have to understand the intent behind the joke. Because mm-hmm. a lot of comedians will say something outrageous, but you know that it's like satirical. They're saying, you know, but it also can sometimes make a greater point of there's actually people out here that feel this way, that I, would say something like this. I think that connects back to something we were saying about social media and being a mask earlier is that most comedians, if they're good ones, I would say, are playing a character. They truly don't feel that way. You know, there are comedians that are the people that they're yeah. portraying, but they are playing a character. It can't just be a sensa- sensationalized version of the way they actually feel, but most of the time, if they say something outrageous or racist or sexist, it will be in the vein of parody or satire. Right, absolutely. Anthony Jeselnik is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, his jokes. <laughs> yeah. But my second rule also is that the joke has to be funny. Yeah, it has it, to have a purpose. <laughs> it has to be funny. It has to have a purpose. Otherwise, are you just saying hateful things for the sake of it? But uh, so naturally, a lot of his fans on TikTok took to TikTok of just like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's not the guy we thought he was. You know, he's making all these jokes and for what? He, you know, his fan base, he's clearly losing all, and he has taken a significant hit online, and it's you know, really over the course of like a couple weeks. 
Yeah, and, as fast as you rise, you can fall. There are consequences for your actions. Yeah, it's just the perfect example of how social media can work and how powerful it truly is. Like you said, the the you know the people that give you that platform can so quickly just take it away from you. Yeah, that that's the power. It kind of puts the power into the people for certain groups, you know, which is good. There are very, yeah. a lot of positive aspects to social media, just like there's a lot of negatives. Yeah, and l- like I said, this is just kind of a fun example because it, I do think it's for the better. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's very timely as well. Yeah, like sometimes it's a good thing. Yeah, that, sometimes there is a there is a mean or a, a way or a reason, I should say, Ooh, lack of a better term. Um, I think that kind of closes out this chapter of the topic on social or the discussion on social media i think we have a lot more places to go maybe we readdress it eventually you know who knows there's a lot of aspects to this there's a lot of things we didn't cover but i think i'm gonna let uh absolute one of my favorite artists alan stone kind of poignantly close us on the final song of the episode we're gonna do the artist rec after the song so stay stay in but uh this song i want to listen to real quick is contact high by alan stone so we'll give it a listen, then come back and uh, talk about the line I'm talking about, and then ultimately close it out with an artist wreck. I love Alan Stone. I don't know if I've heard this song, so I can't wait. It's let's... one of his early ones, so let's give it a listen, and I, I can't wait to show you. Great. Let's listen. Like I said in the lead-in, we're going to let this song kind of take us out from this discussion. I absolutely love Alan Stone. This is from one of his first albums. I absolutely love this song. Fell in love with him a few years ago. I've pushed him onto you in the last couple weeks. But really that first, I guess the second line, but the first line and second line together is, are you looking for peace of mind? You won't find it in your status line. I, it really just, it it's very poignant for what I was, my take on social media in this episode. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not a doomsdayer when it comes to social media. I have an Instagram. I spend time on YouTube and Reddit. But uh, I, I think it has a lot of negative aspects. And if I wanted to take one stand, it would be the fact that it can be a cause of anxiety, both in the way that you're nervous about how you're portraying yourself. Do I look cool enough? Do I look happy enough? And also just, oh, that person, you know, that person, oh, they're my age, they have so much. You know, anxiety about your place in life, anxiety about your identity. It just, it opens the door to so much doom scrolling is the the term that I've heard a lot, where just Mm. also just taking in news on your cell phone. It doesn't have to be social media. Just the overconsumption of media is just... Black-pilled. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The overconsumption of media just really... uh, tearing apart a lot of generations but and right on that later in the song alan goes are you looking for security validation or identity it's just this isn't the place to find it the song's not directly about social media but i it really just i was listening to it in the on a walk or in the car the other day and it was like oh yeah that fits i'll use that yeah (laughs) definitely it's certainly not going to give you peace of mind that's for sure yeah yeah, if you're looking for validation, there's going to be some stranger that'll give it to you, but it's usually not the most healthy. You know, identity, like we were saying, there is a, there are ways to find your community and your identity, especially if you're in a protected class or something like that, where you might not might not necessarily be in a place physically where you can, you know, socialize. But uh, I think that really just wraps up all of my feelings. Do you have any last minute topic or last minute takes on social media you want to give before we give our uh, recommendation to the episode? Well, I guess the last thing I'll say is it kind of reminds me and takes me back to our first episode where we were talking about does wealth bring you happiness? Mm-hmm. And I think the ultimate discovery that we had or conclusion that we came to 
was that you're not going to find it from external things. You yeah. have to find it internally within yourself. What makes you tick? What's going to give you the most joy and most peace in this lifetime? You're not going to find it from likes on social media. Great. And, okay, if we if we did this for the likes and the, <laughs> you know all the clout, <laughs> this would be pretty depressing. But I'm finding a lot of joy in it. I know we say that almost every episode, but I'm happy we're doing this, Ian. Yeah, I absolutely am enjoying my time and great callback to the first episode. Great, uh, great connection there. I think, like you said, if uh, if you're looking for it externally, it won't work. Social media can be a fun place if that's what you're looking for. Just a, just a quick good time, you know. Oh, a video of a cat jumping off a roof or something, you know, to go That's land in a tree. Always a good time. Always a good time. But uh, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, I, Like I said, I think we'll come back to this topic. There's a lot that we didn't talk about. I have a whole list of notes that I wanted to get to that just the flow of the conversation didn't lead to. But I think if we tried to force a little more in here, we'd end up with a three-hour episode. And as far as our normal standard, we're already a little over. Um so that leads us to our recommendation of the episode. As it's my episode this week, it is my recommendation. We're both a large fan of this artist. We found them, found them independently and then also recommended them to each other, which is hilarious. But uh, the artist is none other than Ray Khalil. My favorite album is going to be Girlfriend. I believe it was released in 2009. And then the three songs that I would recommend someone to look into to get a good rounded vibe from her is Jaded from the album Girlfriend, All-Star, shout out Free Nationals, from the album For the World, and then Maria from the album For the World as well. I love Ray Khalil, so I'm glad you chose them. That's awesome. Yeah, I am absolutely head over heels for their music, and I think that's a good place to wrap up the episode. This episode will be coming out on the 26th of December, and I think that we wish everyone had a hoipy holiday season and a hoipy new year for coming up, you know? A hoipy new year's to ya. Hoipy new year to everyone out there. Yep. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, <laughs> like the episode, share it on all your social medias, um, and leave us a review. But honestly, jokes aside, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. 